African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. This is where you get the African perspective. It is 11 o'clock time for African Dialogue once again. Thank you for joining us on shortwave on the frequency 7230 kHz on the 41-meter rather uh, band to Southern Africa and on DSTV on Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. And if you are listening to us via our website, we're on www.channelafrica.co. Well, today we look at a political story on the African continent. We're looking again at the issue of uh, the conflict and the dispute over Western Sahara. We know that there has been renewed talks just a few days ago at uh, the headquarters of the United Nations. According to media reports, the United Nations Secretary General's Antonio Guterres' envoy for Western Sahara last week wrapped up the first talks in six years over the future of the territory mostly controlled by Morocco, saying sides have agreed to meet up again early next year. Six years after talks broke down, the meeting took place last week, Wednesday and Thursday, with neighboring Algeria and Mauritania also attending. The meeting has also been viewed as the start of a new chapter in the political process. I think there's a question mark around that particular issue. The talks were brought forward as part of the adopting resolution 2440 as the UN Security Council called on parties concerned to the dispute over the territory to engage in talks. Well, to assist us on this particular topic, we joined on the line by Ibrahim Dean, once again joining us back in this pro- program, and he's the senior researcher at the Afro Middle East Center. Ibrahim, thank you for giving us your time. Thank you for having me. Look, um, it's very interesting to see where things are right now, especially due to the fact that there's still a question over uh, the Polisario Front, which is very much uh, a contentious party over this particular dispute. Um, it has been a long-standing issue. I mean, when you look back, I think talks really broke uh, down in 1991, uh, Ibrahim, and now we're seeing this talk. I know that there's been talks around the fact that Donald Trump has been putting pressure for uh, a resolution in this particular regard. What are your thoughts on why this is the time this is being prioritized? I think that that your latter part is the key reason. Um, So what happened was these talks were instituted because every few months or every year, uh, I mean, every six months, the the UN's mission to organize the West, uh, you know, a referendum in, in Western Sahara, which is now more a peacekeeping mission, MINORSO, needs to be, um, uh, you know, uh, renewed, the mandate. And this last renewal, the U.S. threatened to pull out because uh, Trump, you know, Trump doesn't, isn't really a big fan of institutions of the UN. You know, he pulled out of the climate, uh, Paris Climate Accord. Um, and so the uh, you know Trump's basically envoy uh, or UN envoy basically pushed uh, for talks because uh, the Trump administration doesn't want to renew Minerso more. Uh, so it's basically a forced a forced talks. But I think you know, significantly there's other things that have happened. You know um, Algeria has been weakened. Morocco is, is strengthened. Um, 
and and so what we're seeing now is at least you know with these with these last talks at least there's you know the representatives of Morocco, the representatives of Algeria, yeah, and the Polisario were there. So all the parties to the conflict, not just previously, whereas you know previously Morocco would say it's an Algerian issue, the Algerians would say it's a Polisario, Morocco issue, the Mauritanians wouldn't be involved, mm. and so that that does provide some optimism. Okay, there is optimism, and let's just see in terms of that regard, because um, what makes this round of talks more feasible? I mean, uh, the United Nations has historically repeatedly showed itself as a failed broker in terms of a settlement in Western Sahara. Let's look at the history of it, uh, Ibrahim, in terms of historically what has actually failed um i know that even the polisario front still remains to be outlawed in some parts of the western sahara uh, that seem to be still under moroccan control um and also they've there's been an issue around the legality of the the party flag um so that's still a big issue right now um let's look back take us a little bit into your confidence to let us know what actually happened historically where we saw things not going the way we wanted it to go in terms of a resolution? Okay, so we start with a bit of historical context. So Western Sahara, unlike Morocco, was, or the area now known as Western Sahara, right, was colonized by the Spanish. It was the Spanish Sahara. Sure. Um, different from Morocco, which is colonized by France. And so when, you know, coloni- uh, colonization started coming to an end, the French pulled out of Morocco, the, you know, the Spanish decided to pull out of uh, uh, Western Sahara. What happened was within Morocco, uh, before the, the Spanish pull out, um, you know, there was pressure on the Spanish to actually cede the territory to Morocco, right? Uh, Morocco claimed it as part of their territory. Mm-hmm. Also, in this context, Morocco had given up some territory to Algeria in the 1960s as part of the, what they call the War of the Sands. And so just, just a few months before the Spanish pulled out, and the Spanish were going to, you know, organize a referendum to see what, you know, the Sahara we want. Uh, the Moroccans marched in. They called it the Green March. Um, and basically annexed, the, you know, three-quarters of the territory. Uh, at that time, uh, Western Sahara was, you know, part of it was still controlled then by Bolisario and part of it by Mauritania. Mauritania then ceded its control to Morocco in the late 1970s, 1979. Now, what's happened since is... Yeah, the big issue is the institution of the referendum, um, you know, on self-determination. This is what Minerso mandate was. In 1991, the Polisario signed, you know, peace deal with the Moroccan administration, and the idea was to actually institute a referendum. Now, Morocco doesn't want uh, a choice of self-determination on the referendum. Uh, they want what you'd call a confirmatory referendum. Sure. And so, you know, what does that actually mean? Just that definition is very interesting. Yeah, uh, because this is where people don't understand the context. Yeah. So basically, Morocco, the, the king just basically wants you to either vote that Morocco is a territory or not. There mustn't be self-determination as an option. Morocco doesn't want to give up that territory. Um, and you know, in the early years, between the 1990s and the early 2000s, the big issue was about two things. One is the UN said no. You know, this referendum has to be instituted. It has to be instituted based on self-determination as an option. Um, the big question was then, who could vote in this referendum? Because Morocco then, you know, created facts on the ground, put its own Moroccans into Western Sahara to try and, uh, you know, ensure that they were less Sahrawi in a sense, or indigenous Sahrawi. 
So the big issue was about voting. When the Moroccans saw this was not going to work, uh, they then stalled the process and, you know, I mean, with help from uh, external powers, specifically France, uh, you know, were able to stall UN Security Council resolutions and basically used it then to annex control of, I mean, they control now two-thirds of, of Western Sahara, you know, the territory. Um, and after 2007, 2008, we started seeing, you know, the, the, the this, this international um, uh, Shift. urge for a referendum mm. diminish, mainly because, I mean, mm. we started seeing one Morocco start had, you know, in, in, instituted its own regionalization initiative, mm. which was supposedly going to give Western Sahara some form of autonomy, not enough, mm. but some form. Mm. Um, and after 2011, you know, South Sudan, the fact that South Sudan has been much, you know, failed state, the Western, uh, um, uh, you know, the Western excitement or interest in, in, in state forming has lessened even further. So these have meant that the Western Sahara issue has been put on the back burner. You know, we're talking now ISIS they, yeah, in, in the Sahel, Al-Qaeda in the Sahel, which me you know, Western countries saw as much more important than the Sahara issue. So talks then stalled since 2012. Mm. I mean, but even prior to 2012, there was no much, no much, not much chance of success. And Morocco has just carried on creating uh, facts on the ground. And, and now, you know, Morocco still wants a confirmatory referendum. And it's, it's very unlikely that Morocco will, you know, will, will actually, you know, there won't really be a political solution unless, uh, you know, uh, Algeria and Morocco agree on something. Polisario, unfortunately, has become more of a proxy at the current moment. Mm. Well, let's speak about that particular context of the involvement of Algeria. Um, we know that there's around 200,000 refugees living in camps in Western Algeria and in terms of this resolution. In terms of that involvement of Mauritania and Algeria, which side do they stand in in terms of uh, this particular dispute? Okay, so one is Algerian support to Polisario, right? Uh, one, for two reasons. One is if, if Morocco gets that whole Western Sahara, it opens up another border conflict for Algeria. You know, it, uh, the Polisario, at least Western Sahara, would act as a buffer between Algeria and Morocco. I mean, we have to note that in 1960s, Algeria and Morocco fought a, uh, you know, a, civil, I mean, a, a border war. Um, which, you know, Morocco get, was forced again then to cede uh, a lot of its territory. Uh, to Algeria. So that's the one thing, and that's one of the key reasons Algeria supported Polisario. Algerian foreign policy also, I mean, as we South Africans know, uh, you know, has a, a, comp- a component which supports liberation movements. And Algeria sees, similar to South Africa, sees the Polisario as a liberation movement. Um, so, uh, you know, Algeria has supported the Polisario, and in fact, you know, all the, the refugee camps, as you said, are hosted in Algeria, and Polisario elections when they get hosted, or, you know, when, when the exchange is done in Algeria. Uh, much of the leadership stays in Algeria. And Mauritania um, previously had part of the, ter- uh, you know, the, the Sahrawi territory, but basically ceded it in 1979 uh, to Morocco. It generally mm. society similar to the Moroccans on this issue. Um, you know, unfortunately, Polisario has you know, fallen in the middle. Mm. And to find a solution, there's probably going to have to be an agreement between Morocco and Algeria. And that's why I think the significance of Algeria participating in these talks sure. uh, is, is, is good. Because for something to happen on, on, on the similar to, you know, when, we say, when we're talking about Syria, similar to that, the, the external powers or the regional mm. powers now mm. in this case play the bigger role. Unfortunately, Polisario, you know, is 
is just, I mean, in Algeria, you know, works or will have to take its cue from the Algerian. So it's, it is independent, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, in a situation where, you know, a state has so much power or mm-hmm. government has so much power, you have to rely on your protector. Okay, let's take a quick break. Uh, that was a lot to take in there from Ibrahim Dean, who joins us. Uh, he's a senior researcher at the Afro Middle East Center. I really appreciate you coming on our program. And uh, we're going to take a, a break continuing this particular discussion because I know in March uh, the U.S. had uh, made the renewal for Manusu, uh, the UN peacekeeping mission in Western uh, Sahara. Uh, in terms of uh, conditional progress that's been made there, that was the um, condition that was put in having a peacekeeping mission remaining in uh, uh, that part of the continent. We're going to be dealing with that as a an important part of the development of the mediation efforts. This is important to have the peacekeeping mission there under uh, the auspices of the United States. Let's take a quick break and we'll touch on that after this. Sunday, December the 23rd, is anticipated as the day on which the Democratic Republic of Congo, DRC, goes to national and presidential elections. Channel Africa will have special broadcasts in English, French and Kiswahili. So join us for this special event from 1000 hours to 1400 hours Central African time on the frequency 15170 on the 19-meter band and between 1700 hours to 1800 hours Central African time on the frequency 17770 on the 16-meter band. Channel Africa bringing you the DRC elections from an African perspective. Channel Africa, we come to you with an African perspective, really unpacking the big subject matters on the African uh, continent. Sometimes when we listen to African issues, it's it's really heard uh, from a perspective of a soundbite, and sometimes we can't really contextualize the African issues, and we sometimes live in a world that's very external as Africans. And this is Channel Africa. We try to really expand what's happening on the African continent. Well, uh, to assist us on this particular issue, Issue. We're now joined by Jose Nascimento, who is a human rights lawyer and author. He's written uh, around uh, uh, Western Sahara. Jose, uh, thank you for also giving us your time. We appreciate it. All right. Um, let me look at this because we've moved a little bit into this conversation with uh, my colleague on the line, Ibrahim Dean, senior researcher at the Afro Middle East Center, um, Jose. And I was really, we had a point right now, we wanted to really look into the the peacekeeping mission, the United Nations mission for the referendum in Western Sahara. How essential is it, the fact that there has been an extension of around, I think, six months, uh, them retaining um, their uh, presence in Western Sahara? In context and in light with these negotiations, is it important to have this mission retaining it, its position? Well, yes, because it's an extension and the acceptance by the United Nations of, of the cause and problem that exists uh, in, in Western Sahara, namely the, the referendum that was, uh, that was uh, resolved by the United Nations many years ago and which unfortunately to, to this date has not taken place. Um, 
the United Nations Special Envoy, Horst Koller, for, for, for the Western Sahara cause, uh, was able to, to recently, uh, a few days ago, to, to get all parties to the table. And, uh, and apparently some serious conversation took place and he was very pleased with the, with the outcome. Other countries were also invited, um, namely Algeria, um, to, to, mm-hmm. to, to the table. Mm-hmm. And, and this is, of course, uh, a bright light in, in the negotiations which had, uh, to a large extent, stalemated. Mm-hmm. And in that regard... Yes, they, they, sure. the, the involvement of the United Nations sure. is... Uh, is, is obligatory in, in, in this issue. This issue, I believe, should be settled peacefully and amicably, should be, um, should follow interna- public international law, and the people of Western Sahara should be allowed to determine their, their self-determination either by integrating into Morocco or by uh, voting for for their self-determination and independence. Jose, in in that context and in that light and how these conversations are taking place, and I was speaking to Ibrahim in terms of how the external regional bodies or countries are actually also playing a role in this regard. You see countries such as Mauritania and Algeria. Uh, But what is sometimes worrying in these engagements is the extent in which the Polisario Front has a voice on the table. Yes, um, they don't always have a voice on the table, which, yeah. which is unfortunate. Um, and sometimes the, the superpowers uh, tend to ignore the issue and, and, and the cause. But in the last few years, there have been some in, important uh, court decisions uh, that have reopened and reassessed the whole cause. And, and these are the courts of the European Union um, that have decided uh, specifically on, on the utilization and use of natural resources of the... Mm-hmm of the territory of Western Sahara. In South Africa, we, we had a high court case wherein a ship that was uh, sailing from, uh, from Morocco to, to, to New Zealand was intercepted in South African waters and the phosphate, the rock phosphate that was on board was confiscated and uh, the under the principle that Morocco had no right to sell the natural resources that belonged to Western Sahara. Mm. As a consequence, those, uh, that rock phosphate was sold in auction and the monies were, were attributed to the Polisario Front, which is the leadership of the Sahara, uh, Sahara, Saudi Republic, more commonly known as Western Sahara. So there have been in, in international legal developments of notes mm. that have uh, put a lot of pressure on Morocco to come to the table and to to seriously start chatting about this issue. Mm. Western Sahara is the last colony of Africa. If we follow the principle of uh, uti possidetis, 
that colonial uh, boundaries need to be respected so as to avoid confusion. Um, all, all other countries in Africa have had the opportunity of uh, exercising self-determination except for Western Sahara. Hmm. And uh, this is an issue that is over 40 years of duration hmm. and should have been resolved ages ago. Okay, let me. I always ask myself. Sure. There is only so much publicity around the Palestinian issue, mm. and 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 rightly so. But I, I ask for someone to explain to me what is the difference between the Palestinian issue and the Western Sahara oh, issue. Why is it that the one receives so much attention, and the other one is virtually ignored in the mm. public media? Okay, let me bring that point back to Ibrahim that you're highlighting. And that was the point of uh, the dimension in which Polisario has more of an influential bargaining power in these particular talks, Ibrahim. Do you think more should be done to have more involvement from them for us to have a more successive run this time around, especially that we're going to have more talks uh, next year sometime? I think, you know, it would be very good to have more Polisario involvement in in finding a solution. Um, uh, but as I said, unfortunately, this seems to be the case that, uh, you know, in these conflicts, generally it's the external powers that, that are, you know, are playing a bigger role. Um, and, and generally seen as, the, you know, the, 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 the party able to enforce negotiations. Uh, and so, you know, that's why it's significant that Algeria is involved as well. I think, though, with Polisario, uh, you know, the death of the of the former leader of the party has, you know, uh, weakened the group significantly politically. Uh, you know, uh, um, uh, that the former leader was 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 very, and I, I don't have his name on my on my tongue right now. Uh, I think it's Mohammed Ibrahim or something. Um, was you know was very politically astute. Uh, you know, was able to, uh, you know, able to involve himself even when it was the negotiations between, you know, the U.S. and France in the late 90s and Italy um, and Spain. Um, but, you know, I mean, I think it, it's significant that these negotiations are happening now. It's also significant that, you know, we, we do hope that the, the deadline that the U.S. has given actually makes people start working towards the solution. Uh, you know, but, you know, in saying so, Morocco seems to be, you know, despite the many international law rulings on Western Sahara, Morocco seems to be in a stronger position continentally now than it ever was. And so it seems as if, you know, the solution that comes up, I mean, the Moroccan king recently invited the Algerians for bilateral negotiation that we would never have thought of 20 years or 10 years ago. So, uh, you know, it seems as if, uh, you know, the U.S. wants a solution to be found, but, you know, uh, the solution that will eventually be found seems to be one that will benefit the U.S., France, and Spain, and not necessarily, mm. uh, you know, the Sahrawi people uh, themselves. So, I mean, you know, it is, you know, I mean, uh, the, the previous comment that talked about the differences between the Palestinians and the Israelis, there's various differences. I mean, one is the fact that the Rgibat, the main uh, tribe, uh, you know, um, um, a Western Sahara tribe, basically traces its allegiance to Morocco. Also, you know, if unlike Israel-Palestine, you can't be Palestinian and then just be Israeli and get the same rights as Israelis. 
Whereas in the Sahrawi issue, Morocco is offering the same option. You can be, you have the same rights as a normal Moroccan. So, you know, there is differences. Not to say that, uh, uh, you know, uh, the Western Sahara issue shouldn't be resolved with a referendum on self-determination, but it, it is a bit more different in terms of dimensions than the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. It's not, it's not mm. over religion, over ethnicity. Sure. It's over statehood. Okay, let me take a quick break, and I want to touch on some of those um, issues around uh, the the retainance of influence from countries such as Spain and France, as was alluded to by Ibrahim there, Jose. And I'd like to also highlight some of the issues that you highlighted, Jose, because we know that Western Sahara has control over a lot of natural resources, but also... There's international interest around Western Sahara due to those particular resources in that particular area. And how does that make things complex? I know uh, there have been claims by uh, some media stating the fact that Morocco was willing to get into these talks due to the fact that it's it's trying to get into uh, more trade with the European Union. Was that the intention? Why they went into these talks to have that kind of a temporary guarantee into EU markets? We'll deal with that after we come from this break. Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it was one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9am with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time 1000 African Voices with me, Awurengwi C on Channel Africa the voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective Welcome to Change Your Game on Channel Africa, the African Perspective. We are coming to you from Johannesburg, right here in South Africa. I'm Asanda Beda, your host. Change Your Game, the program that promotes open discussion and social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the African entrepreneurship ecosystem. Trevor Mumba now joins us in studio to talk about his entrepreneurial and personal journey. Welcome to Change Your Game, Trevor. Thank you so much. Um, it's an honor to be here. Palesa Mukubong, who's a designer. Welcome, Palesa, to Change Your Game. Thank you. Your role at the fourth annual Fashion Without Borders event? I just know that I need to arrive and, and, <laughs> okay. and do my part and do it really, really well. You're listening to Channel Africa. This is where you get the African perspective. Thank you for joining us on our various platforms. Our main service into sub-Saharan Africa is on the frequency 7230 kHz on the 41-meter band to Southern Africa. And you can also join us on DSTV. We're on Channel 802 there. And if you are outside South Africa and the continent, you can find us on www.channelafrica.co.uk. 
www.ngo.ca. Well, even if you are in the continent, you can even find us on that particular uh, platform. Well, we're going to be wrapping up our conversation on uh, the Morocco and uh, the Polisario Front dispute over Western Sahara. If you're just joining us now, we have the pleasure today to be speaking to human rights lawyer and also author Jose Nascimento. We also have the senior researcher at the Afro-Middle East Center, Ibrahim Dean. Now, Jose, I want to come back to some of the pointers that you and Ibrahim had in terms of external uh, influences. You, you both speak about these superpowers that still have a stake in Western Sahara, but also Morocco has a, a big interest in Western Sahara due to the resources in the in the area. And uh, I've been reading some articles that have been stating where critics are saying, well, Morocco was willing to get into these particular talks because it was to have a fair chance or a deeper entrenchment into the European Union markets. What are your thoughts around those dimensions? Jose, are you there? Is that directed at me? Yes, okay. yes. Um, yes, after, after the recent uh, European Union courts of law uh, decisions, uh, obviously Morocco has, a, has been curtailed in its trade with Europe in the sense that uh, any natural resources that emanate from the territory of Western Sahara uh, cannot be sold by them to, to Europe as being their own product, as being made, in, uh, made or produced in, in, in Morocco. And uh, that, of course, has caused them some dilemma. And I think what they've done in response to that is all of a sudden they, they realize that they now belong to the African Union and they came running to join the African Union. Mm. After refusing to be part of the African Union and exiting the, the old OAU because of the presence of, of the Saudi Republic, more commonly known as Western Sahara. So... They turn to Africa to obviously try to sell their products because in Europe they, they're having a hard time. I, I think they've realized that <clears throat> that their trade has been uh, severely curtailed um, with regards to, to products emanating from, from Western Sahara. Mm. Ibrahim, and, and it makes sure. they, they, obviously they're they mm. trying to remedy the situation. Mm. 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 Ibrahim, your thoughts? Co-rejoining the AU is, I think, Morocco and, and, and you know, it, it, it currently seems as if they're in a stronger, I mean, they may be they're in a weaker position vis-a-vis uses of resources from Western Sahara. But in terms of Sahrawi recognition, they're in a stronger position now than they were ever. You know, there's many countries like your Zambia, your Mozambique's, your Tanzanians, who've recently frozen or withdrawn recognition of the Sahrawi Arab Democratic Republic. And, you know, in joining the African Union in 2017, January, um, you know, there were 28 countries uh, which called for the AU to revoke the recognition of the Sahrawi Arab Democratic Republic, uh, which wasn't, which wasn't, didn't happen. Um, so it seems as if Morocco thinks that it's in a stronger position now that it can go into negotiations because, you know, it, it will, it's able to leverage its political way to try and, you know, ensure that the Sahrawi issue gets resolved in its favor. 
Uh, I mean, I think it, 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 it is, and, and, you know, what these things, it could be that the results could be very different, um, especially because, one, the U.S. has given the deadline. The U.S. generally has been more, more neutral in its brokering of the Sahrawi issues and other issues. And, two, because uh, in this situation, at least Algeria is playing a bigger role, and Algeria generally has, uh, you know, the interests of the Sahrawi Arab Democratic Republic more at mind than other countries. Um, you know, but, but at the end of the day, as the Moroccan, uh, uh, I think, foreign minister said, or diplomat said, um, chief diplomat said, was that, you know, it's good having talks, but we need to start seeing ideas, start seeing solutions being formulated. And, and I mean, unless, of course, Morocco is forced to accept a referendum, uh, and, uh, you know, it's unlikely that, you know, that, that, that the talks will lead to much in that sense. Okay, let's wrap it up with the African Union uh, factor, uh, as was highlighted by Jose Ibrahim, the fact that, uh, you know, we saw the African Union acknowledging Western Sahara in its autonomy by including it in its membership. Uh, what would the role be of the African Union now that we're seeing these renewed talks? Well, um the African Union as a constitution, and in terms of that constitution, it is made very clear that uh, colonial boundaries are, are, to be, are to be respected, that the issue of self-determination is to be uh, respected, that one country cannot uh, occupy another country. So those, those are basic issues of a constitution of which... Western Sahara was a founder member uh, in, in terms of the African Union. I, I, I disagree that Morocco feels that they are in a stronger position now with regards to the Western Sahara issue than before. Um, you know, Morocco has been changing the goalposts as this issue has gone along. The referendum for the United Nations referendum, which was to take place, uh, came about as as and between an agreement between the parties, the stakeholders, which included Morocco. And that is why the United Nations mission, MINURSU, is, is, in, is uh, in, in, in the region. Um, subsequently, we then had negotiations, we had talks, we had the James Baker uh, mediation, and recently, two years ago or so, the, the king came up with a statement that was very contrary to the decision taken by Morocco with regards to the referendum, uh, stating that uh, another type of uh, self-determination or independence can be, or autonomy, can be used and will be accepted in Western Sahara. So this is a change of a goalpost. Um, this, is, this is unacceptable in international law. And if we go back in recent history, I ask my question, how is it that Minurso is in the region? Obviously because the stakeholders and the parties agreed to the, uh, to the referendum, which has been mm. frustrating. Mm. Okay. It's been frustrated because Morocco knows, mm. like in the region knew, with regards to its occupation of East Timor, that if there is a referendum, they will probably lose the referendum in favor of the independent of the Saudi people. Mm. All I'm saying is let the Saudi people decide this. It may be, I'd be very surprised, but it may be that the Saudi people 
could even ask for, for integration with Morocco. But why the reluctancy? Why the holding back uh, of, of having a referendum? Well, that's the big question, and I think we're going to leave it at that because I think that maybe we're going to just look at what's going to be happening in terms of uh, the next talks that are going to be taking place in uh, uh, the UN headquarters. Hopefully, we'll see uh, a shift of taking things forward. But let me thank our guests. Thank you, Jose, for giving us your time. We really appreciate it. Uh, Thank you for joining us on our program. Thank you. It's a pleasure. I'm sorry that I could only come on late. Well, it's still a pleasure that we were able to get hold of you. That's Jose Nascimento, human rights uh, lawyer and author. Thank you, Ibrahim, as well, for giving us your time. Uh, that's Ibrahim Dean, senior researcher at the Afro Middle East Center. We always appreciate having your insights as well in our program. 